Hello. And we are in Hilton Head enjoying a week of vacation, and we realize we are a day and a few hours late with this podcast episode, but we kind of got caught up doing other things. Vacation. Yeah, exactly. And that darn slide-out topper gave us issues as soon as we pulled into my son's house Saturday night. Uh, The RV is currently parked in my son's driveway in Savannah. He is not there because he's up in Virginia for some training. So he, so he can get promoted to staff sergeant, which is pretty cool. I mean, making staff sergeant in six years is pretty incredible. I'm pretty proud of my son. Uh, but we went to put the slide out out, and it the motor sounded like it was laboring. So I had you go outside and, and look at it to see what was going on. Yes. And, and then I pulled, I put, I put it back in, and when I put it back out again, you you just started yelling, Stop! Yeah, and I didn't know if you were hearing me because I keep coming. I'm like, no, stop, stop, stop. And, well, what happened was when we had it replaced, I don't know if it's too tight or what, or if it's just their spacers weren't put in, but the slide-out itself is pushing against the roller, so it's not going out. And uh, the funny thing is the guy who, his name's Ray, the guy who looked at it uh, Monday said... Once it goes out a little ways, it's probably okay because it doesn't. It's not as wound as tight. So once it gets out a certain length, it's probably a lot easier. But what happened though in the six inches that it does go out, it has bent the two aluminum brackets that hold it on. So now those have to be replaced again. This will be the third time we've replaced those brackets. Yeah, not not a great experience with that as your chapter in the book says things are gonna break yes the home run on wheels book is available at amazon and barnes and noble and there is a chapter in there things are going to break it's about the rv life and how frustrating it can be at times while freeing you know to to, and and enjoyable to travel yeah that is one thing that has that that is frustrating that chapter made me laugh and made me sigh (laughs) but anywho we did leave I am very thankful for all the people who have purchased the the book. Um, if you've read it, please leave a review on Amazon. Uh, the book signing in Virginia, in Arlington, Virginia, two weeks ago was a success. Sold 12 copies, which I was told to expect five. Anything more than five would be good, and we ended up selling 12. So that, so, so, yay. So that was cool. I'm trying to line up other things in St. Louis and Chicago. That's what I did yesterday instead of... Uh, we're doing the podcast. I was trying to line some of that stuff up. Hopefully, it works out. I had a really promising conversation with a guy at a Barnes and Noble in Chicago. I need to reach out with uh, the woman in Arlington because she says she knows somebody in Chicago. So, anyway, working on that stuff. Please leave an Amazon review uh, because we. I, I want the, the this thing to to move up the ladder on, on on Amazon. I looked and I was like, you know, one million three thousand six hundred thirty seventh on the Amazon seller list yeah so so let's make a goal of 1,002,999 we'll be good yeah um so we left greensboro and traveled down 95 oh my god a two and a half hour drive from uh greensboro maryland to spotsylvania virginia 
took four and a half hours because we encountered a couple of accidents on I-95 and get dry, just getting around D.C. was a nightmare and it was terrible. And it, from actually from D.C. all the way down to the exit in uh, at Spotsylvania, 95 was a parking lot. It was backed up. It was stop and go. It was a mess. Yeah, I so... Never, I don't know how anybody lives in Washington D.C. I was just gonna say we're we're trying to figure out where we're gonna live. That's definitely not yeah not on the, the list. D.C. area for <laughs> sure. And I know a lot of people in D.C. don't even drive. They don't have cars. Like my former boss at Sporting News, Scott Ridge, when he moved to D.C., he sold from Charlotte. He sold his car. Yeah, if you live in a certain place, you can. But if you live on the outskirts, you still need a car to mm-hmm. get to ra- get around. My, my stepbrother lives in Woodbridge, Virginia, and and works up. Uh, uh, he corrected me. He doesn't work at the Pentagon. He works at, uh, I forget what it's called. He works at a place near the Pentagon. But anyway, he said he takes a train in because he just doesn't want to drive. Right. And it takes him about 30 minutes to get to work. And- him and Joe Biden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, taking the train is is the way to go But I do there. think our book signing included, I I do think our, our time in the D.C. area, though, as much as we complain about the traffic, was a success. Absolutely. Uh, you got to see... My Brewers lose twice, um, but more importantly, those kids in the D.C. area with Lutheran Social Services, National Capital Area, and Family and Youth Initiative got to see their home team win, and uh, I'm, I'm happy for that. I hope these kids had a, I, I, I think uh, Susan Punnett and Dana Lee and Jennifer Cormany, they all said that their, their kids had and their families had a good time. Yes, and we got to spend a little extra time as well. At the Smithsonian with, yeah, with Irene. Uh, Irene, yeah. And, uh, and, and one of her and, girls. And her daughter, Diana, right? And, and th- that was fun. And, and uh, Diana was a girl, is a 21-year-old young woman who lost one parent when she was two years old, the other when she was 15. She had nowhere to go from the Congo, so she walked to the Atlantic coast in Nigeria and was able to come to the U.S. as a refugee, was in a foster home for a couple of years that was not good for her. She found Irene when she was 17, almost 18, and for the last three-plus years, she's been living with Irene. Now she's going off to college, and uh, it's, it's a pretty incredible story. That's the importance of the unaccompanied refugee minors, how um, they, they need places to go. You can, I don't know, I don't care where you stand on the political spectrum, if you're against refugees or sanctuary cities or whatever, but we're talking about kids who are orphaned and have nowhere to go and need homes. And that's what unaccompanied refugee, refugee minors means. Right. And just, you know, the fact that that's her backstory now. She's living her life. She's enjoying herself. We had a good time at the National Air and Space Museum, checking it out, all the different scientific things. It was a little hard for her uh, sometimes to understand the tour guide and the nuances because of the language. I mean, she's... right speaks very good English and and I'm sure she understands more than I ever could of her language but it's just a little bit different and it's something that they yeah, have to deal with coming into five another years country ago she didn't know English right how far she's come with her language is, is pretty astounding and, and she's a smart girl and and uh, yeah I wish her the best and she's going off to college she graduated high school in three years which is awesome that just shows you how smart she is despite having a language barrier Yes, and w- so what was your favorite thing at the Smithsonian? I'm disappoint- disappointed we didn't get to see the IMAX film we wanted to see. The one we saw was pretty cool about the moon moon landing, but uh, I don't know. Uh, favorite part of the Air and Space Museum? 
Well, I'll tell you what mine was. Amelia Earhart's Lockheed was was pretty cool to see, and then that uh, the big Fokker they had hanging up above it, and that's what it was called. It was called a Fokker, F O K K E R, and I totally thought of the movie. Of course. But my favorite part was actually one of my favorite things was that movie. Seeing the Meet the moon, Fockers? No. <laughs> the, the moon landing, you goof. And, you know, just the whole, you know, it was actually stock footage of people watching yeah. the rocket launch and everything else. It was oh, yeah. really Seeing cool. Seeing the people lined up in their cars on the beach across from Cape Canaveral was was pretty cool. I mean, you see it in like movies, like reenactments and stuff, but to actually see the actual footage was was pretty cool. Yeah, and I really liked that. And then we got to see Neil Armstrong's suit, and we got to see the lunar launch module. It's funny, they put the Neil Armstrong suit kind of outside of the exit to the theater, but it's right by the Wilbur and Orville Wright original plane that they use in Kitty Hawk and it's kind of amazing to think that in the span of 60 plus years we went from the first ever what 12 second flight to someone landing on them or walking on the moon it is amazing of what has been accomplished years, that's it right and even since then right oh yeah what we've accomplished since then with as Mars a human Rover. race <laughs> with everything right to Mars um, it is amazing and one of the things that I thought was... Still don't have flying cars like, like Back to the Future promised us, though. Yeah, well. <laughs> Speaking of flying vehicles, though, the lunar landing module, going back to that for a second, uh-huh. I thought it was really cool. The tour guide pointed out where they had stored the flag. And, In the ladder. And where the camera was. So there's actually, an, you know, you don't think about it. You see these camera, pic- these pictures of... Neil Armstrong stepping onto the moon for the first time. And you're like, you don't think about who took that picture. Well, people have thought about it, and that's why you got the conspiracy theories around it. Yeah. Well, there's actually a camera on the outside of the lunar module. And Armstrong had a button near the module. ladder. Yep. That he was able to take the picture as he was stepping off. Yeah. And so then the flag was, was kind of cool. It, it was a celestial selfie. There you go. And the flag was kind of cool because... You know, it was kind of rolled up in alongside the ladder. And then the woman who actually sewed the flag for them made it so that it, they were like, we want it to look like it's actually f- um, floating, in, f- floating in the wind or furling in the wind, yeah. whatever. And because, uh, you know, hello, there's no wind up there. Right. And um, so she put, uh, it was like a springing type of material yeah. that she, she was able she to put in there. She springs into there so it would it would wave, essentially. Yeah. that was pretty cool. Pretty cool, interesting things to learn about that you didn't know you didn't know. Right. So then uh, Diana and Irene did not join us uh, at the uh, Natural History Museum. Uh, they both had, had things to do, but... I love dinosaurs. I've always loved dinosaurs from the time I was a little kid. And I, I remember the uh, Transformers cartoons. You probably didn't watch it, but I didn't watch it. But, but I know what Dino-bots. they are. <laughs> they had these these uh, robots that would transform into dinosaurs, and then you know into robots and stuff. But they were called Dinobots. And I actually, I th- I think I had every one of them when I was a kid, like you know little, little action figures, right? Mm-hmm. And so I've always had uh, this fascination with dinosaurs and. Um, Love the Jurassic Park movies, not so much on the Jurassic World movies, but seeing just rooms of 
dinosaur bones and other fossils. It was was really cool. That was my favorite part of the Natural History Museum. My favorite was Mr. Narwhal. <laughs> Go hey ahead. Hey, buddy. Hope you find your dad. Hope you find your dad. Yeah, that's not why, but... <laughs> Okay, maybe it's a little bit wide. Unicorn of the sea. But it's not, though. He's not. It's not a unicorn because it's, a tooth. it's not a horn. It's a tooth. And that was something we learned. That's actually... So, Mr. Narwhal is a little bit buck-toothed. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny that people thought for years that narwhals weren't even real. They were just this mythical you know, unicorn of the sea, essentially. And, right. And but the indigenous people where the narwhals live... Up in have the north, used like, those like the Arctic Ocean, right? Have used like their horns and things like that um, as tools, as weapons, things like that. They respect the narwhal. Uh, there was a whole display about how they, I don't know, revere is the word, but revere the narwhal and respect them. And you know, if you do um, see a narwhal, if you, I don't know, if they, I don't think they hunt them, but. If they do get one and they would utilize it properly, et cetera, and and again revere it and respect it. And those those people were the I mean a lot of people just refer to them as Eskimos, but they're the Inuit people who and that, that that's what the display was at near the narwhal exhibit at the Natural History Museum and and I think think, think that was a temporary exhibit, wasn't it, or is that permanent? I don't know if it was. It was definitely featured. Yeah. So. The best thing about the Smithsonian museums is that they're all free. Yes. And, and I was expecting we were going to go in there and pay an arm and a leg to, to go inside. And right. You would think so. And it's free. Uh, and that was something that was a pleasant surprise because obviously we're not wealthy and we're not retired. And so that was uh, <laughs> yeah. nice to not yeah, have to Yeah, we're paying spend. for this trip. Um, but the other thing, also a pleasant surprise, was the garden, the Smithsonian garden that we walked mm-hmm. through. I loved that, of course, because... I love gardens. I love flowers. I took pictures for hours, you might think. <laughs> yes, you do like your pictures. I do. Speaking of you do pictures. Like your flowers, I should say. Speaking of pictures and flowers, oh. that was one of the things I liked about one of our stops along the way at one of our harvest hosts at um, the Wilderness Run Vineyards and 1781 Brewery. In Spotsylvania, Virginia, the aforementioned Spotsylvania stop. Yes, they had some great seating areas. They had just this really nice, it was a farm that mm-hmm. the family bought yep. years ago. I can't remember how long she said it had been in the family, but a lot of years. And um, it's now this venue and they grow their grapes. They have other crops there as well. Harry even ha- had us take a picture with, with some of the grapes that he had just taken off the vine. Yeah, and you got fancy and put the wine glass in I there. I did, yeah. Fancy picture taken. And, and, and Harry, he's a young guy. He's, I, I, he's got to be in his mid-20s, but he's, he's like the uh, chief brewer for uh, for the brewery that they have. And Yeah, they had some good beers, too. Yeah. And I'm bringing t- one to some of my beer-loving friends. In Tennessee. Yeah. So it's kind of nice. Uh, the next, um, I mean, I, I said before we started recording this that the $300 we're going to have to pay to get the slide-out topper fixed is like paying for a week at an RV park in Savannah, but uh, we do not have to pay for any RV park here while we're at, at this beautiful resort in Hilton Head, which is nice. But on the way down here, we took three days to get down here from Maryland, and we did, we used Harvest Host, which is awesome for any RV traveler. It's a great overnight stop. 
we actually dumped and, and re, re- refilled our water at a um, Flying J gas station. Actually, we didn't refill the water there. We refilled the water at one of the wineries. But um, that was in North Carolina, in Pine Level, North Carolina. They had, had water at no charge even. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And uh, the place we stopped at in South Carolina even had 50 amp electrical hookups. So there are some Harvest Hill sites that, that have hookups, which is great. But we're going to use it again when we leave here on Sunday. We're Sunday night, we're staying at a, a farm in Cartersville, Georgia, on our way to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, where we're going to spend a week staying with our friends there, the Pullmans, and then we'll get to St. Louis, where we actually do have an RV park uh, reserved in Cahokia, Illinois, I believe. We'll have a nice view of the arch. Uh, and then from there, we'll go up to Chicago, where, again, I'm trying to line up a book signing the last week of September in the Chicago area, and then I want to do one in St. Louis, like around the, somewhere between the 6th and the 13th, and I did have, I, I think I said I had a promising conversation with someone in the Chicago area, I, I misspoke, it was in Fairview Heights, Illinois, uh, which is down by St. Louis, so I'm hoping to get something lined up there on October 6th, that's, hopefully it works out. They're doing a uh, local author's signing, oh, so that's cool. it would be like, multi, you know, he said like 8 to 10 local authors and i told them you and i used to live in st louis so i could be you know technically a local author a local in quotes right we always say that's kind of what we consider yeah i I told them we have a storage unit in soulard in in st louis so you know um and that we ended the trip in st louis so friends in st louis uh keep october 6th open and uh you might have to if you're on the missouri side you might have to go to the east side a, a little bit to to Go to that Barnes and Noble in Fairview Heights. It's not really that far, and the ocean will not. Uh, the ocean. The ocean. <laughs> <laughs> some people in Saint some, Louis some think, think it's think an of ocean. The Mississippi River is the ocean. Yeah, <laughs> we can't cross it. <laughs> but you can cross the river. Believe me. You can cross. The, you can even go to Saint Charles and, and cross the Missouri River, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> From Saint Louis. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. Yeah. We're again thankful to the Nationals and to to the Pirates, and I want to try to line something up. Um, in Chicago, in, in St. Louis, it's, it's funny, the, the organization we worked with last year, the Foster and Adoptive Care Coalition, they have tickets from the Cardinals for the September 1st game. Oh, good. And Kim Johnson asked me a while back if we were going to be there for September 1st. And, and we're like, no, sorry, we'll be leaving Hilton Head. We'll be leaving South Carolina that day. And so Yeah, can't really make um, it that quickly. Yeah, no, not so much. Not in the RV. I'm, I'm, I'm happy, though, that the Foster and Adoptive Care Coalition is getting more kids out to a Cardinals game, and, and, and that's, that's good for them. It's a Sunday afternoon game. Um, not sure who the Cardinals are playing then. I know they're kicking the crap out of my Brewers right now, which is <laughs> awful. The Brewers are done. The Brewers are done. They, were in the, they had the oh, best goodness. record in Here the National goes. League last year. And they're going to be lucky. And this is a World Series contending team, we thought, at the beginning of the season. They could have been a contender. The, yeah. What movie is that from? Oh, goodness. Don't do that to me. It's Marlon Brando. Uh-huh. On the Waterfront. Okay. Best Picture winner. Great movie. I love it. <laughs> but anyway, the the Brewers were thought to be a World Series contender at the beginning of the season. Now they're going to be lucky to finish over 500. This is a not a good team. Their pitching is terrible. Their defense is awful. They, they, Yelich is, is like the only guy who can hit consistently. It's just it's, it's bad. It's terrible. Ah, I'm mad now. All right. But anywho, so. <laughs> hey, so back to a better Let's topic. Let's on a high note. <laughs> yes. So, you know, you mentioned the Foster and Adoptive Care Coalition in St. Louis. One of the things we've really learned, and we've mentioned this a little bit before, is about how many different organizations there are and how much need there is across the spectrum in foster care. Yep. 
So with LSSNCA focuses on URM, unaccompanied refugee minors, and FYI focuses on connecting teenagers with adults and ultimately with mentors so they can start building that trust and, and have a family even in adulthood. Yep. And the last two episodes of the Home Run on Wheels podcast have interviews with Jennifer Cormany from LSSNCA and Susan Punnett of FYI. To dis- and, and they talk about sp- specifically the work that they do with unaccompanied refugee minors and teens. And then, you know, you have your traditional what people think of when they think of foster care. They think of young kids. They think of, and Susan even mentioned that an quote-unquote older child is often thought of as 6 to 12. But as she talks about in that episode, um, there's a need beyond that for these children, teenagers to have families and young adults older than teenagers that are aging out of the foster care system. And then I know from Celeste that Children's Hope Alliance has programs that help kids who are aging out of the system as well as helps throughout Mm -hmm. um, the life of the child. So there's so much out there to learn. We've learned a lot. I'm sure there's even more to be learned. And please do um, reach out. We've, We've tried to do what we can as we go along. And we will continue to do that. Yes, we will. And we'll continue to do the Home Run on Wheels podcast, even if it's a day late. Uh, <laughs> so, but, uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, next week, we will, where the heck will we be next Monday or next Tuesday? We will be in uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee at the Pullman. So uh, have a great week. I know we will down here in Hilton Head. And thank you, all, as always, for listening to the Home Run on Wheels podcast. Uh,